0: Book 3, Canto 8, of the Fairy Queen, by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto 8 The witch creates a snowy lady like to Florimel, who, wronged by Carl, by Proteus saved, is sought by Paradel. So oft as I this history record, my heart doth melt with mere compassion, to think how causeless of her own accord this gentle damsel whom i write upon should plunge be in such affliction without all hope of comfort or relief that sure i ween the hardest heart of stone would hardly find to aggravate her grief for misery craves rather mercy than reprieve but that accursed hag her hostess late had so enrankled her malicious heart that she desired the bridgment of her fate or long enlargement of her painful smart. Now, when the beast, which by her wicked art late forth she sent, she back returning spied, tied with her broken girdle, it a part of her rich spoils whom he had erst destroyed, she weened and wondrous gladness to her heart applied, and with it running hastily to her son, thought with that sight him much to have relieved who thereby deeming sure the thing as done, his former grief with fury fresh revived, much more than erst, and would have all gates rived the heart out of his breast, for sith her dead he surely dempt, himself he thought deprived quite of all hope, wherewith he long had fed his foolish malady, and long time had misled. With thought whereof exceeding mad he grew, and in his rage his mother would have slain, had she not fled into a secret mew where she was wont her sprites to entertain, the maesters of her art, there was she fain to call them all in order to her aid and them conjure upon eternal pain to counsel her so carefully dismayed how she might heal her son whose senses were decayed. By their advice and her own wicked wit she there devised a wondrous work to frame whose like on earth was never framed yet that even nature's self envied the same, and grudged to see the counterfeit, should shame the thing itself. In hand she boldly took to make another like the former dame, another Florimal, in shape and look, so lively and so like that many it mistook. The substance whereof she the body made was purest snow, in massy mould congealed. Which she had gathered in a shady glade of the Ruffian Hills, to her revealed by errant sprites, but from all men concealed. The same she tempered with fine mercury and virgin wax that never yet was sealed, and mingled them with perfect vermily, that like a lively sanguine it seemed to the eye, instead of eyes. Two burning lamps she set in silver sockets, shining like the skies, and a quick-moving spirit did a to stir and roll them like a woman's eyes. Instead of yellow locks, she did devise with golden wire to weave her curled head. Yet golden wire was not so yellow thrice as Florimel's fair hair. And in the stead of life, she put a sprite to rule the carcass dead a wicked sprite, if fraught with fawning guile, and fair resemblance above all the rest, which with the prince of darkness fell some while from heaven's bliss and everlasting rest. Him needed not instruct which way were best himself to fashion likest Floromel, nay how to speak, nay how to use his jest, for he in counterfeasance did excel, and all the wiles of women's wits knew passing well. Him-shaped thus she decked in garments gay, which Florimel had left behind her late, that whoso then her saw, would surely say it was herself whom it did imitate, or fairer than herself, if aught of late might fairer be. And then she forth her brought unto her son, that lay in feeble state, who, seeing her, gan straight up start, and thought she was the lady's self whom he so long had sought though fast her clipping twixt his arm as twain, extremely joyed in so happy sight, and soon forgot his former sickly pain. But she, the mortis seem such as she hight, coyly rebutted his embracement light, yet still with gentle countenance retained, enough to hold a fool in vain delight. Him long she so with shadows entertained, as her creatress had in charge to her ordained till on a day as he disposed was to walk the woods with that his idle fare, her to disport, and idle time to pass, in the open freshness of the gentle air, a knight that way there chanced to repair, yet knight he was not but a boastful swain that deeds of arms had ever in despair, proud braggadocio that in vaunting vain his glory did repose, and credit did maintain, He, seeing with that churl so fair a white, decked with many a costly ornament, much merveled thereat, as well he might, and thought that match a foul disparagement. His bloody spear, eftsoons he boldly bent against the silly clown, who, dead through fear, fell straight to ground in great astonishment. "'Villain,' said he, "'this lady is my dear.' die if thou it gainsay i will away her bear the fearful churl durst not gainsay nor do but trembling stood and yielded him the prey who finding little leisure her to woo on trumpet steed her mounted without stay and without rescue led her quite away proud man himself then braggadocio deemed and next to none after that happy day being possessed of that spoil which seemed the fairest white on ground and most of men esteemed but when he saw himself free from pursuit he gan make gentle purpose to his dame with terms of love and lewdness dissolute for he could well his closing speeches frame to such vain uses that him best became but she thereto would lend but light regard as seeming sorry that she ever came into his power, that used her so hard to reave her honour, which she more than life prefired. Thus, as they two of kindness treated long, there them by chance encountered on the way an armed knight upon a courser strong, whose trampling feet upon the hollow lay seemed to thunder, and did nigh affray that capon's courage. Yet he looked grim, and feigned to cheer his lady in dismay, who seemed for fear to quake in every limb, and her to save from outrage meekly prayed him. Fiercely that stranger forward came, and nigh approaching, with bold words and bitter threat, bade that same boaster, as he mote on high, to leave to him that lady for excheat, or bide him battle without further treat. That challenge did too peremptory seem, and filled his senses with abashment great yet seeing nigh him jeopardy extreme he dissembled well and light seemed to esteem saying thou foolish knight that ween'st with words to steal away that eye with blows of one and brought through points of many perilous swords but if thee list to see thy courser run or prove thyself this sad encounter shun and seek else without hazard of thy head at those proud words that other knight begun to wex exceeding wrath and him ared to turn his seat about for sure he should be dead sith then said braggadocio needs thou wilt thy days abridge through proof of puissance turn we our steeds that both in equal tilt may meet again and each take happy chance this said They both a furlong's mountainance retired their steeds to run in even race. But Braggadocchio, with his bloody lance once having turned, no more returned his face, but left his love to loss, and fled himself apace. The knight, him seeing fly, had no regard him to pursue, but to the lady rode, and having her from trumpet lightly reared, upon his courser set the lovely load, and with her, Led away without abode. Well weened he that fairest Florimel it was with whom in company he yode, and so herself did always to him tell, so made him think himself in heaven that was in hell. But Florimel herself was far away, driven to great distress by fortune strange, and taught the careful mariner to play. Sith late mischance had her compelled to change the land for sea at random there to range, yet there that cruel queen, avengerous, not satisfied so far her to estrange from courtly bliss and wonted happiness, did heap on her new waves of weary wretchedness, for, being fled into the fisher's boat for refuge from the monster's cruelty long so she on the mighty main did float and with the tide drove forward carelessly for there was mild and cleared was the sky and all his winds dan eolus did keep from stirring up their stormy enmity as pitying to see her wail and weep but all the while the fisher did securely sleep at last when drunk with drowsiness he woke and saw his drover drive along the stream was dismayed, and thrice his breast he stroked for marvel of that accident extreme, but when he saw that blazing beauty's beam, which with rare light his boat did beautify, he marveled more, and thought he yet did dream, not well awaked, or that some ecstasy assorted had his sense, or dazed was his eye but when her well-avising he perceived to be no vision nor fantastic sight great comfort of her presence he conceived and felt in his cold courage new delight to gin awake and stir his frozen sprite though rudely asked her how she thither came ah said she father i note reader right what hard misfortune brought me to the same yet am i glad that here i now in safety am but thou good man sith far in sea we be and the great waters gin a pace to swell that now no more we can the mainland see have care i pray to guide the cock-boat well lest worse on sea than us on land befell thereat the old man did not but fondly grin and said his boat the way could wisely tell but his deceitful eyes did never lend to look on her fair face, and mark her snowy skin. The sight whereof in his congealed flesh infixed such secret sting of greedy lust, that the dry withered stalk it gain refresh, and kindled heat that soon in flame forth thrust. The driest wood is soonest burnt to dust. Rudely to her he leapt, and his rough hand where ill became him rashly would have thrust but she with anger scorn did him withstand and shamefully reproved for his rudeness fond that he that never good nor manners knew her sharp rebuke full little did esteem hard is to teach an old horse amble true the inward smoke that did before but steam broke into open fire and rage extreme and now he strength can add unto his will Forcing to do that did him foul meseem. Beastly he threw her down, ne cared to spill her garments gay With scales of fish that all did fill. The silly virgin strove him to withstand All that she might, and him in vain reviled. She struggled strongly both with foot and hand To save her honour from that villain vile, And cried to heaven from human help exiled. O oh, ye brave knights that boast this lady's love, where be ye now when she is nigh defiled a filthy wretch well may she you reprove of falsehood or of sloth when most it may behoove but if that thou sir satyrane didst weet or thou sir peridure her sorry state how soon would ye assemble many a fleet to fetch from sea that ye at land lost late towers cities kingdoms ye would ruinate in your avengement and despiteous rage Nay, aught your burning fury motive bait, but if Sir Calidore could it presage, no living creature could his cruelty assuage. But, sith that none of all her knights is nigh, see how the heavens, of voluntary grace and sovereign favor towards chastity, do succor send to her distressed case, so much high God doth innocence embrace. It fortunate. Whilst thus she stiffly strove, and the wide sea importuned long space with shrilling shrieks, Proteus abroad did rove, along the foamy waves driving his finny drove. Proteus is shepherd of the seas of yore, and hath the charge of Neptune's mighty herd, an aged sire with head all frowry hoar, and sprinkled frost upon his dewy beard who when those pitiful outcries he heard through all the sea so ruefully resound his chariot swift in haste he thither steered which with a team of scaly folk bound was drawn upon the waves that foamed him around and coming to that fisher's wandering boat that went at will without card or sail he therein saw that irksome sight which smote deep indignation and compassion frail into his heart at once straight did he hail the greedy villain from his hoped prey of which he now did very little fail and with his staff that drives his herd astray him bet so sore that life and sense did much dismay the whiles the piteous lady up did rise ruffled and foully rayed with filthy soil and blubbered face with tears of her fair eyes her heart nigh broken was with weary toil to save herself from that outrageous spoil. But, when she looked it up, to wheat what white had her from so infamous fact to soil, for shame, but more for fear of his grim sight, down in her lap she hid her face and loudly shrieked. Herself not savoured yet from danger, dread, she thought, but changed from one to other fear, like as a fearful partridge that is fled from the sharp hawk which her attached near, and falls to ground, to seek for succor there, whereas the hungry spaniels she does spy, with greedy jaws her ready for to tear. In such distress and sad perplexity was Florimel, when Proteus she did see thereby. But he endeavored with speeches mild, heard of her comfort and courage bold, bidding her fear no more her foeman vile, nor doubt himself, and who he was her told. Yet all that could not from affright her halt, nay to recomfort her at all prevailed. For her faint heart was with the frozen cold benumbed so inly that her wits nigh failed, and all her senses with abashment quite were quailed. Her up betwixt his rugged hands he reared, and with his frory lips full softly kissed, whiles the cold icicles from his rough beard dropped adown upon her ivory breast yet he himself so busily addressed that her out of astonishment he wrought and out of that same fisher's filthy nest removing her into his chariot brought, and there with many gentle terms her fair besought but that old lecher which with bold assault that beauty durst presume to violate he cast to punish for his heinous fault then took he him yet trembling sith of late and tied behind his chariot to a great the virgin whom he had abused so sore, so dragged him through the waves in scornful state, and after cast him up upon the shore. But Florimel with him unto his bower he bore. His bower is in the bottom of the main, under a mighty rock, gainst which do rave the roaring billows in their proud disdain, that with the angry working of the wave therein is eaten out an hollow cave, that seems rough mason's hand with engines keen had long while labored it to engrave. There was his one, a living white was seen save one old nymph height Panopy to keep it clean. Thither he brought the sorry Florimel and entertained her the best he might, and Panopy her entertained well, as an immortal mote mortal white to win her liking unto his delight. With flattering words he sweetly wooed her, and offered fair gifts to lure her sight, but she both offers and the offerer despised, and all the fawning of the flatterer. Daily he tempted her with this or that, and never suffered her to be at rest but evermore she him refused flat and all his faintest kindness did detest so firmly she had sealed up her breast sometimes he boasted that a god he hight, but she a mortal creature loved best then he would make himself a mortal wight but then she said she loved none but a fairy knight then like a fairy knight himself he dressed for every shape on him he could endure. Then, like a king, he was to her expressed, And offered kingdoms unto her in view, To be his lemon and his lady true. But when all this he nothing saw prevail, With harder means he cast her to subdue, And with sharp threats her often did assail, So thinking for to make her stubborn courage quail. To dreadful shapes he did himself transform, Now like a giant, now like to a fiend, Then like a centaur, then like to a storm raging within the waves, Whereby he weaned her will to win unto his wished end. But when with fear, nor favour, nor with all he else could do, He saw himself esteemed, down in a dungeon deep he let her fall, And threatened there to make her his eternal thrall. Eternal thraldom was to her more lief than loss of chastity, Or change of love. Die had she rather in tormenting grief than any should of falseness her reprove, or looseness that she lightly did remove. Most virtuous Virgin, glory be thy meed, and crown of heavenly praise with saints above. Where most sweet hymns of this thy famous deed are still amongst them sung, that far my rhymes exceed. Fit song of angels caroled to be. But yet whatso my feeble muse can frame Shall be to advance thy goodly chastity And to enroll thy memorable name In the heart of every honourable dame That they thy virtuous deeds may imitate And be partakers of thy endless fame. It irks me leave thee in this woeful state To tell of satyrane, for I him left for late, who, having ended with that squire of dames a long discourse of his adventures vain, the which himself than ladies more to fames, and finding not Thyena to be slain, with that same squire, returned back again to his first way, and as they forward went, they spied a knight, fair pricking on the plain, as if he were on some adventure bent, and in his port appeared manly hardiment, Sir Saturane him towards did address, to wheat what white he was, and what his quest. And coming nigh, eft-soons, he gan to guess both by the burning heart which on his breast he bare, and by the colours in his crest that paradel it was. Though to him yode, and him saluting, as beseemed best, gan first inquire of tidings far abroad, and afterwards on what adventure now he rode. Who thereto answering said, the tidings bad which now in fairy court all men do tell which turn it hath great mirth to mourning sad is the late ruin of proud marinel and sudden parture of fair florimel to find him forth and after her are gone all the brave knights that done in arms excel to safeguard her it wandered all alone amongst the rest my lot unworthiest to be won ah gentle knight said then sir satyraine Thy labour all is lost, I greatly dread, that hast a thankless service on thee tain, and offerst sacrifice unto the dead. For dead I surely doubt thou mayst read henceforth for ever Florimel to be, that all the noble knights of maidenhead which are adored may so repent with me, and all fair ladies may for ever sorry be. Which words, when Paradel had heard, his hue gan greatly change, and seemed dismayed to be? Then said, Fair sir, how may I ween it true That ye do tell in such uncertainty? Or speak ye of report, or did ye see Just cause of dread That makes ye doubt so sore? For purdy, else how mote it ever be That ever hand should dare For to ingore her noble blood, The heaven such cruelty abhor? These eyes did see That they will ever root have seen, quoth he, when as a monstrous beast the palfrey whereon she did travel slew, and of his bowels made his bloody feast, which speaking token showeth at the least her certain loss, if not her sure decay. Besides, that more suspicion increased, I found her golden girdle cast astray, disdained with dirt and blood, as relic of the prey. i me, said Paradel, the signs be sad, and but God turn the same to good soothsay, That lady's safety is sore to be trad. Yet will I not forsake my forward way, Till trial do more certain truth bewray. Fair sir, quoth he, well may at you succeed, Ne long shall Saturane behind you stay, But to the rest which in this quest proceed, My labour add, and be partaker of their speed. Ye noble knights, said then the squire of dames, Well may ye speed in so praiseworthy pain, but sith the sun now gins to slake his beams in dewy vapours of the western main, and lose the team out of his weary wane, mote not mislike you also to abate your zealous haste, till morrow next again both light of heaven and strength of men relate, which, if ye please, to yonder castle turn your gate. That counsel pleased well. So all a fear forth marched to a castle than before. Where soon arriving, they restrained were of ready entrance, Which ought evermore to errant knights to be common. Wondrous sore thereat displeased they were, Till that young squire gan them inform the cause, Why that same door was shut to all which lodging did desire, The which to let you weep will further time require. End of Book Three, Canto Eight Recording by Thomas Copeland